It's like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke. And with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are here this week, uh, the third week of the Stanley... Oh, I messed it up already. Uh, <sighs> Sanuary 2020, Janley Kubrick. Um, that is uh, a month where we are looking at Stanley Kubrick films that we have not seen prior. As the uh, the main philosophy of Movie Club goes, Corey and I both have major gap lists, big movies that we've never seen, sometimes movies that aren't so big, and some that are massive, uh, just almost embarrassingly uh, sad we have not seen. And this podcast was started to try to minimize that list and reduce the number. And we pick a theme every month and we watch the movies in that uh, those two criterion. And this month it's Stanley Kubrick. And so tonight we're going to be talking about a major one, A Clockwork Orange. I just realized this is the second episode, not the third episode of that this month. Um, but we're recording later than usual, uh, not time-wise, but day-wise. Um, and we're getting, we were just talking about the third movie cause we have to watch it and record again in a couple of days. So, uh, before we get into our review of a clockwork orange, um, which was a major film on my gap list, uh, we're going to uh, talk about how things have been going and what else we've been watching since the last time we recorded, which has been a little while. I mean, it's been a decade, Corey. Ah! Someone <laughs> had to make that joke. It was bound to happen. It was obviously not going to be me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> let you have the dad jokes yeah that's my you know i do that that's what i do um so Corey, how's it going it's fine it, you know I guess, <laughs> not very uh, interesting <laughs> it's it's a new new year a new decade um it's a, technically it's the second week of a new year for us as we've already recorded one episode but we haven't spoken uh for a podcast since the the, the changeover um did you do anything fun on New Year's? Well, I mean, we had a delicious cheese plate, snacks on snacks on snacks, and we just chilled. Mm. I think that we were watching The Office. Oh, no! We finished... Sorry, I'm kind of segueing. I'm going between both. Um, we finished The Witcher. Oh, okay. And then, yeah, so... We were just lazy. We were doing exactly what we wanted to be, which was at home, away from humans. Well, you? Um, we were home, but we had uh, our daughter's uh, now boyfriend and other friend over, and I air fried a bunch of like appetizer type stuff. Like we had chicken yeah. nuggets, mozzarella sticks, uh, popcorn shrimp, uh, a few jalapeno poppers, and um, breaded mushrooms. Yeah, and, and then uh, some chips and uh, some uh, avocado, spinach avocado dip. No, spinach artichoke dip. Dang it, sorry. Um, I knew it started with... Either sounds delicious. Uh, spinach avocado might be weird. Um, spinach guacamole, no thank you. But uh, <laughs> um, it was, it was you know, uh, I, I allowed myself a cheat day, although I still tried to maintain something, and I did still go to the gym. Uh, I didn't go New Year's Eve, but I went New Year's Day, like like pretty early. But um, we, we watched some movies, uh, and then, you know, watched the countdown, and... Um, we had a good time with her friends. Uh, they watched a few things. I don't remember what movie they watched. They watched something um, that they enjoyed. I can't think of what it is. Maybe Beetlejuice? Hmm. Um, that's become a thing, my daughter introducing her friends to a, <laughs> as many movies as possible. Uh, but, I wonder where she gets off from. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Um, but they're into it, uh, and it's it's been cool. Like They've watched a variety of movies, um, but... Uh, the new year has been good and a little weird at times. Um, mm-hmm. Just this this week back at work has felt like good, but also odd. And I, I can't quite place my finger on what it is. Is there's just like a surreal element about what's been going on? I, I guess just maybe it's a combination of everything that's been going on, like in the world and everything. Like things are happening and and then not happening and then happening again, and it's just it's just feeling a little chaotic. Um, and it's just it's crazy that it's only been two weeks into the, the 2020 but um yeah i guess that's kind of it uh i've watched a, a quite a few things trying to like uh i've been thinking about my top 10 of the decade which is really hard to narrow down 
Yes. Um, I've been thinking my top 10 for 2019. And uh, and I, actually, a movie that I've liked for a long time has become uh, made in, moved into my top 10, I think, like all-time movies. So um, And I watched that uh, um, on New Year's Eve. So do you want to get into what we've been watching since the last time we recorded? Yeah. First or second, Corey? I'll go first. Mine is probably shorter than yours. Okay. Um, I went to see on New Year's Eve... Uh, Little Women for the third time. Mm. That is my... That's the most times I've seen a movie in a theater that it isn't an event. Ah. If that makes sense. Like, every year I go see Rocky Horror Picture Show. But I mean... Yeah, and The Shining you've seen a few times in the theater. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, so I saw that. um, And I kind of talked to you about it. I'm pretty excited about it. It was a little uh, inconvenient, but we tried to go to a new movie theater, and... The screening we tried to go to was completely sold out, and then the next, there were three of us um, going. Then the next showing, which was an hour later, there were only two seats left, and then two hours after that one, there was another showing, and there were only like 13 seats left. Hmm. And then when we got to my favorite theater in Boise, um, it was pretty, pretty packed to the gills again. Um and I think that I, I like, looked up after that happened how much money the movie had made. Uh-huh. And I was kind of surprised because at that point it was, like, $50 million. Um, And I think that that was domestic. But I feel like it would have made even more. I can't imagine that my theater is the only theater that's putting it in these small screening rooms. Yeah. You I, know. I, I, oh, I haven't ahead. looked recently. Um, but it's... I mean, I think it's done better than expected at box office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I can totally believe that. I just, I feel like it could have done, it could have been doing even better. And it's, I think it's interesting seeing like some of the crowds that were in the ones mm-hmm. that I've gone to. There was like a guy that was alone sitting in front of me, and I think that he was trying to not be obvious that he was crying. Ah. And there's a certain point in the movie every single time that I just start ugly crying and it's over. I can't stop. Just like, <laughs> I don't even wipe the tears off my face because what's the point? But, um, <laughs> and then I, we finished watching The Witcher, which was okay. Um, and then I feel like it's like one of those shows that just has way too much going on. Oh. There are just way too many like side stories and like the timeline is weird as in there is none and you have no idea where you are and then you know and then uh i've been rewatching the office and i think i'm in season four or five now yeah um <clears throat> i haven't watched the witcher yet uh i have interest in it i just have i don't do a lot of shows although i i did uh watch a couple of things i'll i'll mention uh, well i'll do the shows first i guess i watched uh, i finished silicon valley that is officially <sighs> done um i've seen all of the seasons and all the episodes uh, I think it ended pretty strong. Not okay, perfect, I was gonna say. but it ends strong. Um, I don't, I don't know that I have a complaint, but I also kind of don't. There's st- like it feels kind of like a vague memory that I watched it. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it wasn't as impactful as I feel like it could have been. Where oh, because um, again, like I know I watched it, but it's like parts of it are like, uh, what did they do? Oh yeah, that that one thing happened. I guess that's good. Um, but again, not a complaint so much as it just wasn't as like. Like, I'll never forget, like, the Parks and Rec ending or whatever, but... Yeah. Um, and then I watched all of The Watchmen, the HBO series written by David Lindelof that is 30 years after the events of the movie. It's more events of the book because it follows something specific. The There's one major change that Zack Snyder did in the movie from the comics, and the show keeps the original source material from the book. Um, there's a few other little changes, but... I loved this show. Um, I watched all nine episodes in two days, uh, which I don't usually do that uh, with TV, but I could not stop watching it. Um, But I also watched a bunch of movies. So uh, starting on New Year's Eve, I watched The Irishman, the Martin Scorsese film. Um, I love it. It's it's fantastic. It is uh, it's a slow burn, but it's so well executed and so well performed um the effects are a little weird but it's it still works um then uh kathy and i watched uh she had not seen the peanut butter falcon but it was uh, <gasps> a movie i saw in theaters and so we watched i bought it as soon as it came out and so we watched that on new year's eve together uh we loved it again i loved it as much as i did the first time she loved it 
um i I just it's such a great optimistic hopeful joyful movie i love it so so much um and then we got done with it and um we, we still had a couple hours before new year's uh before midnight and she's like let's watch something else i'm like okay and I don't know why, but I was just drawn to Inside Leland Davis. Um, oh, and I was so like, good. I, I was like, you want to watch this? And uh, I wasn't sure how she would like get into it. And she actually, I think she loved it, which I love it. It's and that's the movie I mentioned has creeped into my top ten all time movies. I already was a huge Cohen fan. I think Inside Leland Davis has become my favorite Cohen Brothers film. Um, I just, I just love everything about it. I love the music. I love the performances. I love the characters um and i i love the themes that are being messed with in the film i just think it just clicks with me in every way and um the more i see it the more i want to watch it which is why i know it's like a favorite because i keep thinking about it i actually listened to the soundtrack this morning on my way to work and was just like man i really want to watch this movie again and i just watched it um but i just i adore it so um but continuing with uh new stuff um i watched the report uh, another adam driver film um, this one's an Amazon original. Uh, holy crap. Uh, it is so good. Um, I was very uh, upset and angry by the end of it um, because he's playing a real-life person who uh, was tasked by the Senate to investigate the use of torture by the CIA after oh. the events of 9-11. And, man, it is an unbelievably frustrating series of events. Um, if you are familiar with Snowden... Or if you saw like um, the Insider, it's in line of that type of uh, interrogation story, and it's man, uh, it's very very compelling. Uh, then I suffered through the Grudge, um, the <laughs> 2020 film that is a, a disaster of a film. It is um, the second Sony horror film that feels like uh, maybe studio interference is at fault. That there's so many things clearly missing. Um, that it's not just like, oh, they must have wrote this poorly. It's like, no, no, they probably filmed it. They just didn't include it or they uh, someone got too fancy with the editing and things got just messy. Um, but then watch Clockwork Orange, which we'll talk about momentarily. Uh, last night, I wanted to watch this film because I've heard great things. It's called The Souvenir. Um, it stars uh, Tilda Swinton's daughter, Hope Swinton. And Tilda Swinton's... Oh, I'm sorry, not Hope. Honor. Honor Swinton. I knew it started with an H. Um, Tom Burke... And it's directed by uh, Joanna Hogg, um, produced by Martin Scorsese. Uh, I liked what I was able to focus on, but I think I was just not in the headspace for such a serious movie. Um, and I just was distracted, and I was doing other stuff, when I sh- and I shouldn't have been. So I'm not even going to review it as of now, because I know I didn't give it a fair shot. Um, mm. That's not a criticism of the movie. I don't think it was the movie's fault. I think I should have watched something light um i kind of felt like watching something light but i was trying to like well i really if i'm going to watch something i should watch something from 2019 that i haven't seen uh the souvenir is available on prime right now and so that's what i went with and it it was it was a mistake uh again not because of the movie because i just wasn't in the mood to sit through it but then uh just a few uh about an hour ago i saw uh i walked out of the theater from 1917 the new sam mendez movie and man it is something to behold uh i i i'm pretty floored by it i was emotionally uh moved more than i was expecting to be um i was i really found myself attached to the characters which i did not think i would be um or just because of the nature of the film because what really pulled me in uh to want to see the movie was the featurette that the regal cinemas was playing over the last couple months where they explained that it was going to be a one-take film um with roger deakins uh behind the camera and um i i am i'm fascinated by this uh film this film style to do these long takes um it's it's, the whole movie looks like it's in one take but it is digitally stitched together um but mostly unnoticeable uh there's a few moments where you can tell where a cut would make sense for them to stitch but there's definitely parts where like i wouldn't know if they had or not but um it's really great. I, I definitely recommend uh, that you see it. I don't know if it will be in my top five from 2019, but it's definitely fighting for a spot. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's everything. Um, I, well, this week for work, uh, we've we've started. We've only finished one, but we've started four movies um, because I have 
four different sub you know visual tech is my entry course film one two and three and visual tech we are watching uh me and Earl the dying girl we're about halfway through uh the classes seem to be really enjoying it and then um in film one we are watching uh casablanca and i'm not 100 percent. i think they're enjoying it but it's always hard to tell with that movie i don't know if they they always jump in all the way right away but we're about halfway through that one uh film two we're watching the philadelphia story or i'm sorry a philadelphia story uh, which I absolutely adore. It is a romantic comedy for one, but it's Cary Grant, Jimmy Stewart, and um, Catherine Hepburn. And, and man, just those three alone are so fantastic. And the movie is just awesome. But um, And then in uh, my Film 3 Honors class, we are doing an Edgar Wright... Uh, well, we watched all the Star Wars movies, right, the first semester. And mm-hmm. so continuing with series, we are doing trilogies um, this semester... And we started with, by their vote, we started with the uh, Three Flavors Cornetto, the Edgar Wright trilogy. Uh, So we just finished Shaun of the Dead today, Um, which I love teaching Edgar Wright because I have studied him extensively and I'm very, very um, willing to go in too much detail about his film style. So it's been a fun week. Um, You know, there's a lot of prep we do the first two days and then, uh, well, one day, and then we watch part of the movie the second day and then we'll finish most of the other movies we'll finish, uh, or at least get close to finishing tomorrow, and then we'll finish whatever we didn't finish next week. But um, yeah, it's been a week, as I said. So um, that's what we've been watching. Uh, let's get into a really important review because this is an iconic film. A lot of people um, really love this movie, um, and I've just never sat through it until now. Um, Corey, have you ever seen A Clockwork Orange before? No. I always tried to read the book before. I've tried starting it like three or four times. And I did know that because we have to, we did talk about this on the last episode and all that. But um, the let's get to the stats. A Clockwork Orange um, is from 1971. Mm-hmm. It's uh, The IMDb plot synopsis reads, In the future, a sadistic gang leader is imprisoned and volunteers for a conduct aversion experiment, but it doesn't go as planned has an 80 Metacritic, uh, 8.3 IMDb user critic, stars Malcolm McDowell in the t- uh, in the role of Alex, um, Patrick McGee, Michael Bates, Warren Clark, um, pretty much no one else that I really knew, actually. <gasps> Hold uh, on! Is... I don't actually know his name now that we're talking about him, but did you notice that Dad was Grady from The Shining? I didn't, but I see that now, actually. Philip Stone is his name. Yes, that's right. Um, Makes sense, that Kubrick cast. I think there was a couple other uh, Kubrick actors, actually, um, if I remember correctly. I feel like when I was watching, I was like, oh, that guy's in in another Kubrick film. Oh, yeah. um, Or maybe I'm thinking of The Killing, because the the one guy's in uh, Dr. Strangelove. Um, So maybe I'm just mixing that up, but... Uh, stars Stanley Kubrick written by Stanley Kubrick as a screenplay but Anthony Burgess's novel um, I uh, had a, I actually watched this very long video that like broke down a lot of the movie and talked about Alex as a um, anti-hero and why uh, like people like this in cinema seems to draw us in and pull us in um, well, Corey what were your overall thoughts of A Clockwork Orange um I mm, I had stuff happening this week or yeah. So I wasn't able to watch it in one sitting. Mm-hmm. I I feel like I'm going to sound insensitive. And that's not what I'm meaning to say here. But it wasn't as brutal as I was expecting. Actually, I agree completely. I was going to say something very similar. Um I think I it is still brutal, but I was really, like, bracing myself for, like, this overly graphic rape sequence, and I was very appreciative that it was more of an implied rape sequence and not shown the way I thought it was going to be, um, based on what I'd always heard. And I thought there was just going to be more... Yeah. ...ultraviolence. Um, and I'm probably basing that off of what I've heard about the book um i did very light reading but um yeah i mean i thought it was interesting i am glad that it wasn't hard to understand 
Mm-hmm. I was also afraid of that. Um, yeah. So the video I watched, um, which I, I got, I'm gonna try to look up now actually and say whose it was to give credit to, but they mentioned uh, that the language that he speaks is a combination of Old English and Russian. Mm-hmm. Um, like drug is a Russian word for friend, I believe. Um, and I didn't know that, but I, I do feel like the movies uh, helps with the visuals. You're able to kind of pick up on it. Um, the video I watch is from Screen Prism. Uh, and also apparently the take is the YouTube channel and it's called the clockwork orange, the glamorous psychopath. And it's mostly an analysis of, uh, Alex and that type of character in other stories, but it focuses in on Alex. Um, I had always heard about how, uh, there's just this really awful, horrific rape sequence during him singing a singing in the rain, which I am a huge fan of the musical singing in the rain. So I was really like, I don't want that song associated with rape like i really like that song um and it's it's still it's a horrific scene but it in my head and what i'd heard i'd made it much much worse like i was expecting it to just be way over the top and i couldn't imagine kubrick being that way um like he does go for like you know he wants you to react there's no doubt about that but i've the movies that I've seen of Kubrick, which are many at this point, I've seen more than not, um, have not been that way. Like even Lolita, which was about, you know, a depravity sex relationship is mostly off screen. And that's what, for the most part, that's what happens here too. A lot of the, the worst elements are inferred by us, not shown explicitly. Um, but the moments leading up to are still brutal and tough and, and by no means, uh, am I downplaying what happens? But I, I, and again, I'm not like sad that they weren't. I just was really, really, really I avoided this movie because of it. You know, um, yeah. that was honestly one of the, the main reasons I had not watched it. Although I will say I did have a very hard time sitting through him watching the movies, um, because of the eyes, because his eyes were propped open and that freaks yes. me out like so much. Um, especially cause it's like on a close up and it's just like way too much. eye. um, <gasps> yeah. But uh, I I really actually enjoyed this movie. Um, I don't know if I fully understood everything. Not not the language, but just like the why of the movie. Like I, I didn't understand what we were taking away or what the commentary was. I think there's some things that are very, very intellectually um, not over my head, but maybe re- will require multiple viewings to like truly appreciate like there's obviously there's some commentary about free will um that's built in uh with him talking to the priest and after he agrees to the aversion therapy and the demonstration happens the the priest kind of like speaks out against it it's like he's not choosing to be good he just can't be bad um because he'll physically suffer from it so much so that he jumps out of a window uh when he associates the ninth with um with that i thought the uh love of of beethoven was so interesting because he is uh so glamorous that video that i referenced already um compares him to um uh christian bale's character in american psycho and uh patrick bateman um and definitely see that as a a, you know they're of the same elk the same cloth you know they're the same type of of character and uh they are compelling you know they are they're so charming and glamorous um and the uh the video references some of the stuff that's different from the book um which i'll leave for spoiler talk because it might be a spoiler i guess um but there's some like there's some weird humor and some weird choices that make the parts feel humorous that kubrick instills like using uh like wide angle lenses and close-ups that distort the edges of the film a little bit and it makes things look surreal like during that attack that i referenced with the singing in the rain um the the guy the husband who's on the ground he's been hit several times the the way he's acting even is like so over the top and crazy not that it's undeserving mind you but it still doesn't feel like a natural reaction to what's happening it feels like this fantasized thing and the video talks about this too that um because we're in Alex's perspective, like he's the narrator. In fact, I love his narration. I think his narration's excellent. Um, it's the way he like refers to himself and us and uh, 
I just really enjoyed that, and I think it, the world we're seeing is a ve- definitely skewed version of it because of his um, telling of the story. But um, I think that's it for uh, non-spoiler, unless there's anything else you want to say before we get into spoilers. Nope. All right, listeners. Guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about Clockwork Orange in great detail. You have been warned. So from here on... Uh, we are not going to hold anything back. If we want to mention something, we're going to mention it. So if you don't want to hear a spoiler, stop now. Um, I uh, That moment um, where he goes to the record store and he's wearing what can only be described as like a prince outfit. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Right? Doesn't it seem like something out of the prince wardrobe? Like, yeah, just... Except white. It's just the wrong color. Um, no, it's purple. It's purple. Oh, I thought you were talking about sorry when he uh when he goes to the record store like he's by himself and he's picking up a record he ordered um and then he picks up two girls instead do you know what i'm talking about yeah i remember that scene and i remember thinking it's so funny that he steals from people and he does all of these bad things but he's willing to purchase Mm -hmm. a record um but i don't remember his outfit oh you gotta have to look that up because it's totally like a prince outfit and I'm pretty sure it predates Prince, so I guess it would be an Alex outfit. Um, <laughs> but uh, he picks up those two girls, and they go back, and they have what oh, yeah, appears yeah. to be consensual sex that's filmed at a fast frame rate. Um, or, I'm sorry, they sped up, so it's it's in uh, not slow motion. The opposite, it's fast. And it's got, like, the weird music. I can't even think what song it is, but it feels like, like a circus music kind of thing. And they have sex a lot, like, you know, I don't know if Alex was supposed to be on some kind of drugs, but they have sex like several, several times in this rapid scene that's done for comedy. Like one of the girls gets dressed and then he undresses her again and they have sex again. And it's just like, but it's done in a, a, sing, a still static camera, long shot of the room. So it's not overly sexual, even though they're clearly having sex. And also because it's sped up, you don't ever really see anything too explicitly, I don't feel at least. Um, but apparently in the book, they're much younger girls, and it's not consensual. I did not realize that that was that scene. Um, yeah, 10-year-old girls, and he drugs them. See, I, I didn't know. They didn't reference the drugs in the uh, video, but I'm not. she just mentions like that it's way worse in the book and that they were younger. And I think she did say 10. I guess I was hoping that that wasn't the case because, man, the book, Alex, is horrible then. Um, I am right. He's rocking like it's like a Beatles, like you know, the it's a big coat. Yes, is that? But it's purple. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, so that scene in the movie is kind of lighthearted <laughs> and not as it almost shows like that he has two different personas, you know. <sighs> Yeah, and it's it's kind of hard because like the him going to the record store and being willing to purchase the record after he's already, you know, like I don't have an issue with that at all. I think that's very common with criminals. Um, they don't but, steal because they need; they steal because they just like inflicting the punishment. Because like his drawer is just full of money and and jewelry. And yeah, shit. but it's just like seeing him do these bad things. It's not just with like buying the record. There's also they do rape he rapes a woman at one point but mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie they practically save a girl from being raped yes but not that's not their motivation not yeah not because of that yeah and they're there just then, to fight the guys yeah and then he has consensual sex with these two girls it's like i don't know how to explain it it i i feel I, like it's well the fact that kubrick changes it from the book um, I think he's wanting to put these, like, idea of masks. Um, think whenever Alex commits those other crimes, he's wearing a costume, right? Um, even yeah. Even it's not a full mask in all of the scenes, but, like, the... the and with his friends. Yeah. It, well, with his friends that he has a persona, again, like, he puts on um, a mask of, of this, this is who I am. And then, like, think of him with the, uh, I guess this is lawyer or social worker or whatever, um, which is a really awkward scene when the guy has him sit on the bed and I, like, I thought the guy was like molesting him at first because Alex is in his underwear and the guy like lays down with Alex and then he grabs his junk if I'm not mistaken or at least he hits it. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? 
Yeah, and I didn't know what that guy's purpose. I didn't know who he was. He's either a social worker because Alice He's has clearly been in trouble. The officer, apparently, oh, okay. from my reading. That makes sense too, actually. Um, yeah, I feel yeah. like there were some things in the movie that just weren't explained well, or and... at least we didn't comprehend. Some of that yeah. is going to be time period too. Like we're not from the era this movie exists, nor are we from England or the alternative version of England. So, you know, there's things like that maybe were commonplace if you were there. Like, mm-hmm. there are things in Florida that we know that maybe people who live grew up somewhere else wouldn't know, you know, because we're, we're just not exposed to it. And so that, and then the language barrier of sorts because of the, you know, the language that we're being presented by Alex, we may just not understand certain little references, and that's not necessarily the fault of the movie as much as it's, us just not being either i don't know if cultured is the right word but we don't know this particular culture context you know mm-hmm. um and that, that happens especially with older films like um a philadelphia story the more I, the more i watch it the more familiar i am with the context of the culture and things like this is my fourth time i think watching a philadelphia story or third time watching it and i've noticed so many things that i've not noticed in the other viewings i'm just like wow uh definitely rewards like paying attention and learning the context of what's happening around the film but and i definitely think um kind of not surprisingly given that i've always heard good things about a clockwork orange this is a movie i think i could rewatch. um i don't know that i'll jump right back into it but i definitely think it's rewatchable and i feel like i would pick up a whole bunch of stuff um on multiple viewings and start to understand the reasoning more and hopefully what Kubrick's saying because I do think that that juxtaposition of Alex at the record store Alex having what is consensual sex especially because we know that is a deliberate change from the book um which maybe Kubrick didn't want to include the the horrificness of of him raping two 10 year old girls thank goodness but the fact that it's still not a rape is significant right like that it's it is truly consensual um, because it, one, it, it also tells us how charming Alex actually is, um, that he's able to bring these girls back to his house. Um, but yeah, I like, I like so much about him and that performance. Cause, uh, you know, I've seen McDowell in tons of things. Um, but in this, it's just, he's so different than I've, I associate him in the other movies that I've seen him in. Um, forgot he's uh loomis in the rob zombie halloween um i mean i'm trying to think of what like i really associate him with uh because he's in a lot of stuff i mean he's got a huge set of credits but i know him as an actor and now i i really like him as alex i just thought he was terrific and fits that psychopath kind of character because he's he's not he's good looking but there's something off about him too you know what i mean like there's he looks strange yes but not in like a I don't think it's a negative way per se. I think it's just like he's very distinctive looking. Is I guess what I th- what I mean. Like he has no one else looks like he looks. And so he stands out as both unique um handsome but also uniquely odd. And I I just man um you know when he's going I I like how he says uh Beethoven cuz the way he says it's uh what is he he ludwig van like yeah it's it's so unique and even a part that i don't like that i i kind of empathize with is his love of culture um like when they're at the milk bar and the woman singing the the night the first time we hear him reference beethoven and uh dim is making fun of her and he hits him with the cane like i am like that you know there's people who like they don't appreciate art on that level and I get mad, like if like watching a movie and someone's just ignoring the movie. I'm just like, dude, what what are you doing? You know, there's masterpiece on the screen here. Why are you talking? Or you know, it's like, hey, listen to this song, and then that person's clearly not listening, listening. You know what I'm saying? Like it upsets me. Like appreciate the art. So I I I like that he has got that element to him, but at the same time, it does make me like I don't want to I don't want to empathize with the psychopath, um, in any way, but. Yeah, you get, I don't know. I hope I don't sound too crazy for saying that, but... No, you sound absolutely insane. Oh. I, I'm kidding. I just, like, I feel like his look is so iconic, too. 
like the bowler hat and the you know one eye yes. with the, the eyelashes which i never realized those were eyelashes i thought they were like drawn on <laughs> until i watched the movie because i've seen you know he's been replicated and like even uh watching me and Earl and the dying girl they they do a sock work orange in that um <laughs> I need to rewatch that Which, movie. By the way, now having seen A Clockwork Orange and watching their version makes of much a Sucker, more sense. Not even that it makes sense. The the way they, they mirror the camera work, like ex- oh. precisely, like in that it's the opening scene where they're sitting at the milk bar and the camera pulls back just like that in their and I'm like, "Wow." Um, cuz I really like the camera work in this movie. Uh, I I found so much of um the film just to be excellently i mean not surprising again it's, it's kubrick but just i don't i don't even i just feel like it's so interesting that every time that he uh, i don't know he has to like change the way that he looks when he is going out and being crazy he doesn't you know what i mean like between the masks or like the way that he dresses in the I think it's lacrosse gear. Oh, is and... it? I didn't know what that, like, the big uh, codpiece thing was in the white uniform. They're supposed to wear it on the inside of the uniform, apparently. Okay. But I think that I read that, and I got most of my reading, uh, pretty much all my reading from Wikipedia, but um, they had a lot of information on it that um, he, oh, I'm forgetting his name, the guy who plays Alex. Um, Martin Mc... Oh, crap. I think it's Martin. Yeah, Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm, that's it. Man. Um, helped Kubrick with the their um their like uniforms, mm-hmm. the white, and then they decided to put the protective cup on the outside instead of the inside, and all of these things. But he just like has to change his appearance before he goes out and does the awful things. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the other persona. Um. Like and that separation. When he commits the murder on accident with the giant penis statue. Some kinda, of the stuff in this movie is just so ridiculous. Yeah, and that's I it's part of the the point. And Alex is clearly yeah. from like a well-to-do family. Um but even like the mom is like she has that traditional like she's older and she's weepy and whatever, but yet she's got like the clothes the she's hair. wearing and the hair. Um, and then like the roommate that's become or not the roommate, but the the guy who's renting his room the after he's in jail. Um, and how he is like attached to them like so so much so quickly um well isn't he and see i felt like the passage of time in this movie was kind of hard too but he's in jail for two years i think yeah so i mean he could have been there the whole two years no sure sure but still like i mean do you often end up being so chummy with your landlord i guess or even your roommate like if you're just like living with like a couple strangers maybe again i'm kind of antisocial, so i think my default i could live with no one but bill (laughs) at this point but i have lived with roommates that's why like you know i've i've done the roommate thing and um both at college and then uh my before i met kathy i i lived with a few different individuals over like three or four years of college and you know some of them were like really close friends that like we were friends before they were my roommates but uh at least two were i met and then lived with um and i I guess i did become kind of close with one of them at first but then they showed their true colors and it was like run away um maybe that's why i'm antisocial now i don't like right i'm like um, been burned too many times yeah that might be what it is uh (laughs) lessons learned but um i just like there there's a lot of surreal elements to the world but again it's all through alex's perspective so it's alex maybe that maybe that guy wasn't as clingy to his mom but alex felt like it because alex felt betrayed you know yeah Um, i really was expecting i forget the name of the movie that we watched that i didn't really like but our narrator ended up being dead at the end and he was like shot in a pool i'm forgetting the name of the movie uh, sunset boulevard Okay, yeah, that one. That one's great. I was ex- expecting Alex to be dead at the end because of the narration mm. throughout the film because it's kind of echoey. Yeah. It hasn't in that way it has a little bit of a noir vibe even though this uh, is it would be neo noir with the time frame but um cuz he is like he's he's filling us in and he does sound like he's a little omnipotent about what's going on. Yeah. 
and he is conditioned. Uh, he signs up to get out of prison early by being conditioned to um, with aversion therapy. So they show him horrible movies that <gasps> bother him, and they play the ninth, which upsets him. Um, to the point where the ninth now he can no longer listen to because it's part of the aversion therapy. So when he hears it, he feels sick and has to uh, escape and ends up being tortured by the guy he tortured um, when he raped his wife and beat him. And they don't say what happened to the wife, but I guess we're supposed to, uh, well, he might say she died, but I don't think if Alex's rape is like, if he hurt her to the point where she died from the physicalness of it, or if it was like, the emotional trauma just caused her to give up and even maybe commit suicide. They don't get into the specifics, but the wife is not there when he returns to the house on accident, which is, uh, the narrator tells us that, like, in his state, he doesn't realize he's at this place he's been before. Um, home. Yeah, that says home, uh, ironically, on, in front of it. and Yeah, it is... Um, there's definitely a lot to, to digest and break apart, and I'm by no means trying to act like I, I fully understood everything. Um, the end, he makes a deal, and the last scene is him having sex with a woman in the snow surrounded by a bunch of people standing. Um, I don't fully know if that was a dream, but he says, I'm cured, and I don't know if the cure means that he's able to commit violence again. I felt like that's what it was saying. That... And that's what the video definitely says he's saying, but I didn't I didn't see that with what was happening on screen and or what was in... said sorry i no. just i didn't fully understand that that end conversation i guess i think that it's interesting that uh we end up seeing his friends dim and i forget the other guy's name are uh, now yeah. police officers yes and that i thought that there was just way more i thought there was gonna be way more crime like that everyone was created like everyone was committing crimes and there was no police there were no police and all of these things but it really just seemed to be a couple of gangs well what the the video seemed to imply um about the police the fact that those two are cops it's not that they've cleaned up their act and become cops it's that the cops are are letting in gangs and and corrupt officers and that the fact that they basically almost kill alex is proof that they are not good cops. It's not like they've changed. Um, the and again, Alex is uh, everything. Everybody Alex hurts, Alex is hurt by. Like Alex yeah. beats up the homeless guy, and then the homeless guys beat up Alex. Alex beats up Dim and and the other guy whose name I cannot remember either, and then they get their revenge. And um, the only one who doesn't is the one person he killed because she can't because she's killed. But I guess in a way, the aversion therapy is that her punishment to him, right? Like. Um, because that's the to get out of jail to get his life back from the murder he has to sacrifice that side of him and he loses beethoven art and she was an artist of a sort right like she's a yoga instructor or whatever um and there's all the art around her like all the paintings of sexuality and the big statue of the penis so maybe the, like the fact that art is hurting him the art that he loved and appreciated is like the payback for that there's like a karmic element to this um, the one thing I've not done any reading on, maybe you know, I don't understand the name of the movie or, like, the book. Like, well, what is A Clockwork it Orange supposed to mean as a title? It doesn't make sense to me either, but I think that the clo a clockwork, um, clockwork is, like, he's a robot inside, and then orange is he's natural organic on the outside. Okay. But it still doesn't really make sense to me. That's what I read. Yeah, I'm reading something very similar. The title refers to the person who has the appearance of an organism lovely with color and juice, but is in fact only a clockwork toy to be wound up by God or the devil. Um, it, it's not like we see lots of like movies and stuff where it's it's like a young psychopath, <laughs> and but there's just something about him that he's supposed to be an older teenager but if we didn't know that he was truant and not going to school i don't think i would be able to place his age yeah well because part of the problem is mcdowell is like 29 i think when he's filming this Damn. And he's supposed to be like 17. um yeah so that's uh part of the issue is i think he is this and... kind of ageless anomaly because we're told he's 17 he does not look 17 but he also doesn't look and his interests old I... 
Yeah, he doesn't. Hmm. His interests, uh, I think, what you were about to say, like be, like Beethoven, for example, not something we generally associate with a 17-year-old. Um, but yeah, I, I do, I guess it makes sense um, now that I, when I think about the title that he is not, I think the wind-up toy, they actually say in the movie too, I think the narration mentions it, um, the idea that, uh, you know, when he's conditioned, he's not choosing to do the things he's doing and same thing maybe before he wasn't choosing to be ultra violent he just was he's innately this person you know it's it we want to believe that everything we do is by choice but alex seems to be saying the opposite that he was compelled to do these things that there was and i think your comments on his willingness to like buy an album or have consensual sex it's not that he's you know necessarily choosing one thing or the other it's just this is this is what's happening right now this is this persona and um i don't know it's an interesting way of thinking um i i I think this film and the book probably although the book sounds like it might be tougher to get through for a few reasons one uh the language for sure because here we get to see what he's talking about even when we can't see it like i was able to figure out most of the the words uh the video that i mentioned again from uh screen prism um they do some like on-screen like definitions for some of the words that he says and stuff and i was like no that's what i thought it was okay good so i was able to figure it out with the context of the film i don't know if i could do that with the book because there's you know nothing to look at you're just reading these words that don't exist uh or at least don't exist in my brain whether or not they're russian or made up for because some of the words he does like make up or uh combine like old english and russian words together to form like a new meaning or a new word but in the movie you get to see what he's talking about and you just don't get that when you're reading a book so which i feel like is unfortunate (laughs) i feel kind of ignorant saying that but i remember when i was trying to read it like trying to take notes and like keep it with me through the pages so i could try to keep up but also not saying viewing anymore i'm gonna say viddy that yeah yeah (laughs) um yeah i don't i don't know Hmm. yeah uh drudes was one um and uh in fact uh in in me and earl the dying girl when she's she's watching uh a a sockwork orange um at the scene where she makes him apply for college like for uh, the local college Mm -hmm. um and uh she's like droogle and he's like yeah it's google for drudes and, or for droogs and i i was like oh my god um yeah super funny uh i i think that's kind of it i i know this probably is one of our least analytical of the reviews because i'm admitting i don't fully comprehend everything that happened in the movie um i i did enjoy it uh again it's a, it's a not a pleasant experience per se um but kind of like when i watch american psycho there's like there's something about this type of movie that is compelling it's it is something worth watching um even as much as i am not a big fan of this year's joker this is that same type of movie where it's like darkly connecting um it's not a character you should be rooting for yet you find some reason to feel like you are and you know um i definitely understand why it's it's a film that's been you know praised and raved about for years um, and it's one I'll definitely revisit. Oh, did you also read, though, I feel like this does need to be mentioned, that with that ending in the movie, that um, apparently Anthony Burgess's book was edited in many countries where he had a the last chapter, Alex is redeemed, and apparently decides not to be, you know... Redeemed, or... Well, he he decides that he doesn't want to live that life anymore or be violent or oh. commit these crimes anymore. And apparently Stanley Kubrick only ever read the American version, and that's why we got the ending that we did. Interesting. Yeah, which... Honestly, though, given mm-hmm. Kubrick, I don't feel like he would end on an optimistic note with this movie. Because um, I, I don't feel like that's how he thinks people work. Like, if you look at... 2001 space odyssey and it ends um 
you know, the, we're not just like, oh, everything's okay now. Um, and and let's look at the movie we watched on our last episode, The Killing. Uh, it he definitely does not, um, let the characters just get away with what they've done. You know, like they're everyone's punished. Um, Lolita, he's not redeemed, right? Like it's the same. I feel like consistently, and even in uh, Doctor Strangelove, which is a you know a satire, um, the end is the guy that we are trusting with all of the uh, equipment turns out to be a Nazi with a zombie arm, you know, like <laughs> Kubrick doesn't. And I mean, I guess The Shining ends on a positive, um, and I guess technically he changes King's book quite a bit. Um, yeah. Yet, I think in one way he doesn't destroy the house in the movie right that's something in the book the shining the house is destroyed there like they don't they leave with the house destroyed where here kubrick leaves the house intact or the the hotel i shouldn't call it a house that's understatement but you get what i'm saying like that in a way yeah. that's the the evil is not gone in kubrick's the shining where in king's book you can assume it's gone and then in the movie dr sleep they retcon kubrick's film basically and the the danny goes back and does do what happened at the end of the book i guess spoiler I for that, dr sleep sorry uh i think that they tied that up very nicely <laughs> like but yeah well, uh, yeah but i'm saying like kubrick changed that and again i think kubrick tends to end on a whatever downer. he wants yeah so maybe if he had read both he would still choose the the darker of the two options, or at least I feel like it's the darker and maybe more realistic of the two options. Is like, well, because I, I feel like it more though, that it's, that it's more terrifying to me if somebody can just choose to be that way. Yeah. Or, but at the same time, like it's, it's almost too optimistic to think that someone like Alex can just suddenly be okay. You know what I mean? Like, can you re like return from such a place at any point where you're just suddenly like, no, it's, yeah, I don't feel this way after all, you know? Yeah. Uh, I did all try something different. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think the point of like w what the, at least the movie is saying is that Alex is evil. Like it wasn't a, like he wasn't choosing to do wrong things to, just for shits and giggles, but he was legitimately an awful person who's now been redeemed. Cause even like he tricks the father right before he takes the, uh, the opportunity to like the father thinks he is a good person but we see him fantasizing about whipping jesus like he you know what I mean? like he's reading the bible and going man if only i could have tortured that guy he's not reading the bible in the way the the father thinks he's reading the bible you know yeah so uh. i i think kubrick's kind of saying like the, no he's good at hiding in plain sight he's he's able to manipulate and trick people but he's ultimately evil like the only reason why he's not doing horrible things at the end of the movie is because he's been conditioned to not be able to but maybe not anymore was it the fall from the window that fixed it maybe that's that's where i'm kind of lost um like how do you uncondition yourself well i mean the guy talks to him and he's like basically saying you know like we messed up and then I'm Probably because there are political yes. repercussions. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, which I think is, again, kind of what Kubrick is getting at, is that maybe there's more evils out there than just Alex. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I, I, I don't fully understand why he's able to go back to his other ways. Um, if maybe he's released from it, or if maybe there's a process that we don't see, like an unconditioning um, or like maybe like you said, just the the fall. Maybe that was enough punishment to break him of it. You know, like or maybe that part of him, quote unquote, died when he fell out the window. Kind of like um, mm -hmm. uh, again, I don't want to spoil yet another movie, but the end of Fight Club. <laughs> uh, you know, well at least that one's like twenty years old. True, um, twenty one now. Oh my Damn. god! Damn. Yep. I know, right? Nineteen ninety nine was twenty one years old. Oh. This is my. 20th high school uh, reunion this year Corey hmm. I've been out of high school that long that my graduating seniors were not born when I graduated high school <laughs> I couldn't handle that yeah it's it's kind of crazy but all right um I'm gonna I'm gonna give a clockwork orange I think the must-see rating 
Um, but but with that caveat that it's not going to click for everybody, if you don't like movies like American Psycho or if you don't like anti-heroes, I would say probably avoid this one because there are some disturbing things that happen. I'm going to go with Not Quite Golden Pony Boy. I definitely think that sometime in the not near future I need to rewatch this and agree wholeheartedly that I don't think this is for everybody. Yeah. Um, that said, our next movie is a more... Uh, it feels like it's going to be a little more... Um, for everybody because i feel like a lot of times war movie war movies are meant for everybody because like you know patriotism is kind of a universal thing now kubrick war movie maybe that won't be what we get from this um no this next movie is not long at all Corey. it's only an hour and 28 minutes um hell yes we did good this month i got a little oh, worried don't get excited uh the last movie oh, for the month is a little long uh, <laughs> how long is it like three hours no it's under three but it's over two um okay i think it's like 220 um but Paths of Glory is what we're watching next week. Now, this movie is available on the Criterion channel, I think. Um, and you can rent it for three or $3 on, like, uh, Prime or, you know, uh, Voodoo, that kind of thing. Um, it is from 1957. Again, obviously directed by Kubrick, because that is our theme for the month. Stars Kirk Douglas. Not Kurt Douglas. Kirk Douglas, his dad. So I'm excited about that. Um, uh, Ralph Meeker, Adolf Menjou. George McCready, Wayne Morris, Richard Anderson, Joe, Joe Turkle, oh, Christine Kubrick. I wonder if that's his wife. Um, I'm sure it's related. Uh, Peter Capel, M. Emil Meyer, Bert Fried, uh, Timothy Carey, written by Kubrick and Calder William Hang William Willingham. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I, I again didn't really know much about this movie before Corey picked it for this uh, month. Um, the premise is after refusing to attack an enemy position, a general accuses soldiers of cowardice and their commanding officers must defend them. Um, interesting. Um, it's 1957. I don't know which war this is, if this is going to be World War One or two. I think it would, was it World War One in like the early forties? I'm no, so World bad at War time in history. Uh, early 19 before 1920 1917 the movie that i just saw is world war one um world war two is i think starts in 41 or so oh god um, see i'm horrible oh yeah 40, damn. but america enters world war two in 1942 and i know that because of casablanca that we're watching oh, in my class right now so um and uh so yeah there's a there's a good 20 year gap between the two wars um so i'm not this could be both and that's the interesting thing about Casablanca is it comes out in 42, but it is about World War II. So it was very of the moment. Um, oh, at, dang. Um, yeah, because there, there's a whole thing about Nazi concentration camps and everything. Um, so it's a very, you know, timely film that comes out. And a lot of the German soldiers in Casablanca were actually uh, German Jewish. Um, uh, what's the word? Um when they leave the country immigrants that's not immigrants that's when you come to the country um refugees um oh. they let you know they left their home nation looking for shelter from other you know other countries because obviously jews were being persecuted so um Wait. at least according that's imdb trivia so if it's wrong i apologize listeners that's not i did not fact check that outside of uh that trivia and but it seemed believable Damn. um yeah, but uh, you know, I am um, I'm excited to see bomb sh uh, not bombshell. That's on the poster is the word bombshell, and that's just what grabbed my eye right now. Paths of Glory, uh, with Kirk Douglas. That'll be our next review. Um, in the meantime, if you want to, you can uh, subscribe and rate our podcast. It helps other listeners find us. Um, you can follow Corey and I on social media. I am at Burke Reviews and Corey at Corey R Star. If you want really bad history facts. Ooh, really bad history facts um uh we're on instagram twitter and of course letterbox where we post well i post everything i'm watching on there um you can read our reviews at burkreviews.com Corey does have a uh, top albums of 2019 up at burkreviews.com right now um we are going to be doing our top five movies of 2019 uh hopefully with mike we'll see what happens but if you have listened to top five movies in the past we have kind of stopped doing them because we were starting to run out of topics realistically but um also we ran out of time i'm just too little of it uh but we do want to do at least a recap of 2019 to kind of uh, finally like i think concrete concrete or solidify the end of top five for the at least the 
regular viewings, listenings of it or whatever you want to say. But we are going to do some kind of recap episode with also some of the uh, dishonorable mentions from 2019 and maybe a look at the top movies of the decade or at least a quick conversation about those in a near a new episode coming out. Um, Matt, from what I watched tonight, Big Tuna uh, from... Oh, I keep forgetting the name of his new website. I so apologize. Uh, but uh, the three of us, we, we drafted the Oscar nominations again, which will be announced this coming Monday, the Oscar nominations. So we are going to be doing a podcast uh, episode where we talk about our draft. We talk about our picks. Um, I'm pretty sure I've lost again. Uh, I've lost each year I've done the, the draft. It is not, I, I was not prepared to do the draft, and so I, I definitely picked some movies that I just went with my gut that I enjoyed but don't know didn't know for sure how they were going to play out um or I picked one that I heard some buzz about that hadn't seen but apparently isn't getting a lot of buzz in many categories which is how you win this draft is getting picking the movie that's going to get as many nominations as possible um so yeah I will probably be watching another bad movie uh picked to me by Sean although to be fair Last year, Sean made me watch Anna and the Apocalypse, which was not a bad movie, and so he doesn't always go for the the jugular, but he did the one time with Tyler Perry's Boo to Medea Hollywood. Oh, God, so, I've never recovered. Yeah, it's it's brutal. <laughs> but um, that said, those are things to look forward to, so if you subscribe, you won't miss them. Uh, in the meantime, keep watching. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com.